If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. As I begin to pray several weeks ago, months ago, really, I just couldn't get away from this passage of Scripture. And we were praying, we were in between two directions for the next year, what I felt like the Lord was saying, and come to find out they kind of really just fit together. And the Lord confirmed this word to me more than three times through various people who had no idea what I was praying about. The devil's a liar. And so this morning I want to cast the vision to the house. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. This is the word of the Lord. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen our theme for the next year is immeasurably more immeasurably more before you're seated touch three people and tell them I'm believing for immeasurably more in the name of Jesus and you can be seated in Jesus name in Jesus name amen I believe this morning that God is able to do immeasurably more and there's several things that I want to speak to you about this morning and and several things that we practically want to dive into with you but I believe this is the word of the Lord and I want to recap for you the last year uh, we passed the year mark on the last Sunday of August that my wife and I have been leading the church and you know it kind of it kind of just zoomed past us uh, and it hit me one day during a meeting, wow, it's been a year. And that led me into a reflective state of looking back on the last 12 months and seeing everything that God has done and how God has built this house. It was our theme last year was build the house. And the Lord gave us a word which we're coming up on the year mark of um, in December of last year that we're moving from familiar to fruitful. And we have made decisions as a staff and as a leadership team that we're not just going to make decisions because it's the way we've always made them. We're not just going to do things because it's the way we've always done them. Sometimes what's familiar has lost its fruit. So we've moved beyond that. And, and I look at our structures that many of you don't see because it's behind the scenes. I look at a lot of our systems that you don't see because they're behind the scenes. And then I look at the things you can see, this platform, our lobbies, uh, our, our ministries that are going forth, uh, our staff, and things have changed and are changing, and we've left familiar, and I believe God has us on the journey to fruitful. Amen. Now, I'm going to share with you here in a minute that not everything 
that is familiar has lost its fruitfulness. There are still some things that are fruitful for us. And we're going to look at those things here in a moment. But again, as I was praying this year, uh, these last several months, as I knew that these days were coming, I felt the Lord in this. And so I read to you Ephesians 3 and 20, and I want to make something perfectly clear. And I'm going to read uh, our vision, our mission statement, our values to you here. And we're going to throw some of these things up on the screen. I want to make this perfectly clear. Although this is our theme for this year, the potter's house is not changing who we are. Our vision statement is this, we're a place where broken are made whole. We're going to see the broken made whole. It's on our walls over here. And yes, those have changed. They used to be big letters, now they're lights. And that's all right. They say the same thing, the broken made whole. Our mission is to be a place where broken people find wholeness and community through his presence, prayer, and process to help them grow in their identity, to identify God's design for their life and step into the fullness of God's kingdom. Our values are plastered on our wall in our West Lobby. We value his presence. We value prayer. We value people. And we value the process that God has us in. But what I believe God is asking of us and what, is, what God's going to do for us and through us over the course of the next 12 months is God is going to break us out of comfort. And God is going to break us out of apathy. And God is going to break us out of little faith mentalities. Little faith living. It's really easy on Sunday morning to hear the preacher say that God's a healer and say amen. It's difficult to hear the doctor say you have a disease and keep that same posture when you're sitting in the hospital room. That's what God is coming after this year. He's not coming after your faith in the house. He's coming after your little faith when you're not in the house. God is calling us to occupy I preached that word last week not knowing how it was going to affect the lives of people in this church. I've got texts every two weeks ago, preached that message. I got texts. I've been getting texts weekly. I'm occupying on my job. I'm occupying on the street. I prayed with this person across the table at lunch. I got coffee with this person and, and, and they were broken and hurting and, and God said, you need to pray for them. Walking out of the store, God, check me. You need to pray for that cashier. God is calling the potter's house to occupy. And this is going to be our declaration. You're going to hear it from now until next year. I want it to become, I want you to get so sick of it that it actually starts happening in your life. This is our declaration. God is able and nothing is impossible. For the next year, I don't know, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know God is able and nothing is impossible. I don't know what the next year holds, what the next months hold, but I know God is able. I know it's Vision Sunday, but I'm going to preach a little bit too. Touch three people around you and tell them God is able and nothing is impossible. If you believe that, shout yes. Yes. God is able and nothing is impossible. But there are things 
I believe God is sovereign, but I believe God is looking for a partner. I believe the Holy Spirit is looking for partners. And there are three things that the Holy Spirit spoke to me that were going to happen this year, and two of them are conditional upon the first. Are you listening? If you're not listening, listen and take notes. And I'm going to talk to you about the first one because the latter two are conditional on the first. And this was the phrase that the Lord gave me. Do the work. That's a real quiet. It's probably real quiet at the other campuses too. Do the work. The Bible said according to his power that works in us. And God is looking for a partner. His power cannot work in you unless it finds a yielded participant. His power can try its best to work in you, but if his power hasn't found a yielded participant, his power cannot do the work that it wants to do in your life. So how then are we practically to do the work? This is the next 12 months. I know it's not January, it's September. We're starting our year in September. These next 12 months starting today is a year to let the Holy Spirit do the work and to partner with him in that work. Here's how we do this in a, in a spiritual manner. Number one, we pray. You've got to pray. And it's easy to say that and it's easy to say amen to that sitting in the church. But I'm telling you that if you submit yourself to a life of prayer, prayer will change your life. Prayer will change your life. We've got to pray. We've got to yield in prayer. Number two, we're going to evangelize. I know there's a lot of people that, that, that have confused evangelism with traveling preachers and itinerant preachers. That, that's, that's not really what evangelism is. And, and, and there's people who say, well, that's for the evangelists. You may not be a five-fold evangelist, but everybody can evangelize. Everybody can tell somebody about one person who radically changed your life. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? You don't have to sit there and talk in King James English or even in tongues. You might just pass somebody on the street and say, can I pray with you? You know Jesus loves you. And you know what just might happen? Those words might just bust a door down that, that God's been trying to work into. And he found a willing participant who was willing not to be occupied, but to occupy and to win people to Jesus. So not only are we going to pray, but we're going to evangelize evangelism we're going to do the work but it all starts in surrender submission i've got to yield my life to him are you willing to look 12 months into the future and see the life you want and give it up for the life god has for you are you willing to submit and to surrender 
to his heart for you. Because to pray, to evangelize, but not to submit and surrender is going to lead you to a frustrated life. You'll be frustrated. Number five, I'm just throwing these out here. We're going to rest on our identity. I'm not working to be accepted. I've already been accepted. And I'm working from acceptance. I'm a son in the kingdom. You're sons and daughters in the kingdom. And he already paid the price for me to be grafted into the family of God. Amen? I'm going to rest in that. I'm not going to try to make things happen. Here, and here's the thing. You're going to be tempted to hear this vision and think, oh, this is going to be the best year yet. This is going to be great. No problems, no issues. No, the fact that this is the vision the Lord has said is a promise that trouble's going to come. But now unto him who is able. There's no caveat there. Now to him who is able in recession to do more. Now to him who is able in famine to do immeasurably more. Okay. So we're going to rest in that. Just the fact that this is a massive vision means there's a massive battle that lays ahead of us. We're going to be rooted in Christ. One of the problems that we find today in Christianity and the reason you see so many Christians waver in their faith is because they are an inch deep and a mile wide. They've got knowledge for days, but their spiritual roots have not taken root in the Word and in the Spirit. So we're going to be rooted in Christ. This is a big one. We're going to move this year in unity like we've never moved before. We're going to move in unity like we've never used before. Unity is not sameness. I look around this room today. I see different colors. I see different upbringings. I see different creeds. I see different nations represented in this house. Unity is not sameness. Unity is the celebration that you and I grew up totally different, having different ideals, different upbringings, different socioeconomical statuses, but yet we found one commonality at the root and at the foot of the, of the cross where Jesus shed his blood, and his blood wasn't a white blood, a black blood, a Hispanic blood, an Asian blood. His blood was red, and it covered every ethnicity, and it covered every creed, and every race, and every... So we're going to move in unity, which also means we're going to have confrontation. Bless, this ain't in my notes, so I'm just flowing in the Holy Ghost. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Uh-oh. Blessed are the peacemakers. That when there's disunity and distortion in the body, somebody rises up and says, we're going to make peace. And we're going to confront this thing head on. And we're not just going to let it linger and take root and, and become toxic to the body. We're going to stand up and we're going to confront. Some of you need, listen, this is not just for the potter's house. This is for you. <laughs> It's for you individually. There's some of you that have things going on in your life that are making your walk with Christ, that are making your, your family life, your work life toxic, and you need to rise up and confront it and make peace. Okay. 
I'll get back behind here. Then we're going to have, we're going to continue, I should say, to have a five-fold ministry emphasis. That the government of God will be represented in the potter's house. That we're going to see apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers raised up in the body. We're going to see the first Corinthians 12 gifts come, the first apostles, then prophets, then the teacher, then the gifts of help, then the administrator. We're going to see these things begin to take root and to come out in the body of the potter's house. But more than all of those things, we are going to do it in his presence. His presence is our priority. You know, somebody asked me this morning, because today we're a lot, a lot more structured than we normally are regarding time. And we got to have these days because we need to have the vision. Without vision, people cast off restraint. We need to have vision. But somebody asked me this morning, well, what happens if you're going to get up and the Holy Ghost is moving? I said, well, the Holy Ghost is going to move. And if he's moving here, he'll move at our campuses when they join us via live stream and come in and they don't know what's going on. His presence is our priority. If we don't have his presence, we're going to shut the doors and go home. And you think I'm joking. If a day ever comes that we start operating without him, we're going to close this church down and we'll go find somewhere else to have church. And you got to have that mindset because if you don't, you'll start trying to do it in your own power and in your own strength. And if you ever start trying to do the will of the Lord without his presence, you are deceived. <laughs> God, Moses asked the Lord, he said, I, I'm not going if you don't go. I won't move if you don't go. Here's the problem with the church today. The church today, we camp around celebrity preachers. We camp around good sermons. You want to know what Israel did? Israel camped around the glory. And when the cloud came and moved, they picked up their tents, they packed up, they got their family on their camels, and off they went. Wherever the glory went, so they went. Hmm. So that's what we're going to do. That's in the spirit now, what about the natural? See, this is where the rubber meets the road. This, this is where you put flesh to this. Number one, what are we going to do practically? Number one, the first step starts next week. Next week, we're going to be doing Sign Up Sunday. You say, somebody say, what's that? Sign Up Sunday. Next Sunday, following service. In our West Lobby, we're going to have tables set up. And at those tables will be our ministry leaders where you can serve in a ministry. You know, I, I, we've talked to people and we've, we've, we've closed a lot of these gaps with ConnectTrack. And, and we've gotten a lot of people into serving through ConnectTrack. But there's still some of you that say, I don't know where I could serve in the church. Well, we're going to fix that for you. And that poor excuse of not knowing where you can serve in the church is going to be taken from you. And now you will have no excuse whether you're going to serve or not. In Jesus' name. And so next Sunday morning in our West Lobby, we're going to have our ministry leads at their tables, and you can find information about where you can sign up, where you can plug in to do immeasurably more than you've ever done. Oh, you didn't like how I flipped that on you. Because <laughs> if God's going to do immeasurably more for you, it might be time for you to step out of your comfort zone and do immeasurably more for him. Okay. So, sign up Sunday. Next Sunday, immediately following church. Some of you just scheduled a lunch at 11 so you could be gone by the time church ends. Don't do that. God knows you. And our campuses are going to have ways and avenues where you can sign up to serve. 
at our campuses. We're going to continue to push house groups. Our goal is not to be a church with groups. It's to be a church of groups. Acts 2.42 said that they were in each other's house daily breaking bread. And it is vital to your growth that you are connected to community. Connected to community. Next year, I have it in my heart that we break the record for the amount of groups that we have here at the Potter's House. Not just the amount of groups being led, but the amount of connection that is happening to those groups. Because that's immeasurably more. Come on now. That's immeasurably more. How many of you know you can't adequately grow in our campuses? We can't adequately grow if we are not connected to community and to a local body. And it's impossible for me to get to know you in this setting we have here on Sunday mornings. But I invite you to my house. I invite you to go to dinner. I sit across the table with you. And all of a sudden, I've now made a connection that is going to last me a lifetime in the faith. So we're going to do house groups. There's some of you that have been attending house groups for year for years. This is the year that God says it's time for you to lead one. Ooh. And y'all at the campuses, that goes for you too. You've been attending them for years. This is the year God says it's time for you to lead one. Number three, we're going to continue our e-courses. Now, I recognize that you can't disciple somebody through the lens of a camera. But I can help you grow through the lens of a camera. You know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in school right now online. And I, I have grown in so many different areas. And I've never met one of my teachers. You know why? Because I made a decision. I'm going to grow all by myself. I don't need anybody to drag me along to grow. Now, so i got to drag myself sometimes. <laughs> but nobody else is going to have to drag me to grow. Because I want to be the best believer he gave his best, I want to give mine. And whatever I do, I do unto the glory of the Lord. Okay, so we got e-courses. We have, uh, I believe, three of them that are out right now. And we've got one that's getting ready to come out in the next month or two. And we're in the process of getting ready to film another that we'll release in January. And these are to help you. These are to help you grow. There's others that we have in the pipeline that we're going to film. They're not super long classes. Listen. If you can sit down, and I'm, I'm saying this to me too, and I'm saying this as a witness because I have to do it for school. If you can sit down and watch a three and a half hour football game, you can give 30 minutes to growing in your faith. Okay, all right. So, e-courses. Number four, and, and this is a both end, Potter's House School of Ministry. If you feel the call of God, get off Get up and take a step. If you feel God calling you to be more than you are today, stop talking about it and be about it. And that's to everything. If you feel called to ministry, Potter's House School of Ministry is for you. But if you feel called like God has given you the ability to be an electrician, go take classes. If you feel like God's called you to be an accountant, go take classes. And then come to Potter's House School of Ministry. Because we'll teach you how to do ministry while you're being an accountant. We'll teach you to do ministry while you're being an electrician. 
Here's my point in this. If you feel like God has called you, get up off your rear end and do something about it. Okay. Now, I speak passionately today, and I'm going to tell you why I speak passionately today here in a minute, because there's some enemies to this vision, and we're going to deal with them head on today. Number five is outreach. I want them to cue the video that we're getting ready to show you. We introduced a ministry to you on the Sunday that Roe v. Wade was passed by our Supreme Court, uh, was overturned, rather, by our Supreme Court. And today we want to make a, a formal introduction, if you will, by way of video to My Village Ministries. If you'll give your attention to the screen for just a moment. Hey, Potter's House family, it's Pastor Michael Davis. We're here with a very special guest, uh, and we want to introduce a new ministry to you today. And I'm going to let Phil introduce himself uh, and what he does. Phil, go ahead. Yeah, my name is Phil Krauss. I'm one of the co-directors at My Village Ministries here in Columbus, Ohio. And so today we're going to ask Phil a couple questions uh, and introduce My Village to you uh, in a little bit of a deeper way and the way that we're going to be partnering with My Village uh, moving forward into the future. So my first question is really a simple one to start us off, but what is My Village Ministries? Yeah, we exist to accomplish family preservation through biblical hospitality. And so our desire is to uh, empower local churches to provide consistent care and community to the socially isolated family facing crisis. And so we'll have members and churches care for the kids of families facing crisis, all the while the church supporting that family providing care for the kids, as well as the parents that are facing crisis. Right. So if you could sum up, so she just asked you the what is my village. I want to ask you the why. If you could sum up the, the why of my village, how would you define that? Yeah, great question. Um, and so ultimately, again, we want to empower the church to be the church. And we see that there's a growing need in the community for the church to care for those right. that are hurting. And so just to give you a, cu a couple examples of how that pertains to the ministry specifically is we know that in Franklin County, there's about 30,000 calls coming in every single year reporting neglect and childhood neglect and abuse. We believe that can be dramatically reduced by going upstream and supporting families while they're in crisis. Another big one is we think that there's a lot of kids that are ending up in the foster care system unnecessarily. Uh, and we mainly see this, by the way, in medical emergencies. And so praise the Lord, we've been able to help out, for help out with families that are facing medical crisis and preventing those kids from ending up in the system. Right. Um, so what are those reasons? You alluded to it a little bit, but what are the reasons that you see families needing the services of My Village Ministry? Yeah, so there's five main reasons people are calling in, entertaining the ID views in our services. Homelessness, drug addiction, medical emergency, joblessness, and when grandparents have taken custody of their grandkids. You know, as a, as a church as, that's getting ready to partner with My Village, um, what are the roles needed for a congregation to be uh, a My Village church? Yeah, so there's some significant roles that need to be filled in the church for you to be considered a My Village church. Those roles being a host family, you're welcoming in the kids of the family facing crisis. That's anywhere from one day to one year. Uh, we've got a community coach, kind of like a, um, a case manager. So you're going to uh, make sure that a host family is supported during a time of hosting. You're also going to make sure that the parents facing crisis are being supported. And then you're going to make sure that the kids being hosted are safe. And then we got a wraparound support. We call it the care community. That care community is going to make sure that, again, the host family is supported, 
during the time of hosting by the way of uh, supporting them like diapers and wipes, high chairs, car seats, transportation and babysitting. That care community can also provide support to the parent or parents in crisis. We also got a ministry lead team. That's a team of two to four people that are overseeing the ministry in the church. Again, uh, they're the voice to the ministry, but again, they're, they're making sure that the host family is supported during a time of hosting. So they'll reach out to them at the beginning of every single week, saying, what are your needs this week and how can we support you as a church? And then the last role is a mentor role. And so whenever we have school-age kids that are going to be hosted for more than a week, our desire is to assign people in the church to mentor them while they're hosted, but even after reunification up, up, up to a year. What is the biggest need that you see um, in this post-Roe v. Wade era for My Village Ministries? Yeah, well, I think it's probably obvious there's a growing need for more families that are in need of support. You know, it's, I love in Matthew 9, it says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are so few. We need more workers in this harvest field. We've had the busiest year yet um, this past year, and uh, that need is only growing. And so we need churches to, to jump on board with this work, people in the church to participate in those different roles, and to begin to care for these families facing crisis. Right. And this is, this is truthfully the gospel fleshed out. This is, you know, James, the Bible says that the true and undefiled religion is to care for the widow and the orphan. And, and this is what we're doing. And so, you know, today we, we kind of reintroduced this. We'd introduced this at a time before, but today we reintroduced this into the church because this is something that God has called us to do as the Potter's House here in the city. And if you are interested or you want to know more information, we're going to be having an interest meeting on Sunday, October 2nd, following service in the youth room. There you can ask your questions. You can have any question you have answered. Uh, and, and we're going to see and we're going to put some flesh to this. And we're going to become the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Yeah, that'll be a day that you can sign up um, after we have that Q&A time and just that interest meeting. And then following that, on November 12th, that's a Saturday, we're going to have a training right here at the Potter's House. Uh, for those who have signed up, want to learn more, maybe a few of you may still be on the edge at that point. Some of you will be all in maybe. But at that training, you'll be able to learn a lot more. You'll be able to dig deep that whole day uh, with my village. They do a wonderful job at their trainings. I've been to their trainings. So we have that opportunity coming up on November 12th. Phil, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate it. And I'm excited for the year that is ahead for the Potter's House. We're believing God for immeasurably more. And yes, in case you're wondering, that interview was live. So I'm wearing the same jacket today as I wore when we did the interview. <laughs> Didn't know that. But in, in, in all reality, this ministry, my village, is a way in which we, as the Potter's House, can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And this is true and undefiled religion to care for the widow and the orphan. And that's what this is. And so I'm going to reiterate these dates to you. Sunday, October 2nd, immediately following service, there's going to be a, a Q&A interest meeting in our youth room, which is out our south doors, and then you just go east, uh, and you'll hit our youth room. And then on November 12th, there's going to be a training. Uh, that's a Saturday. There'll be a training. We'll have more information coming uh, for that. Uh, how many of you know that, that the earth needs an answer? The answer is Jesus. And guess who carries him? You do, in Jesus' name. Along with outreach, we have our food resource in which we are going to be giving free food uh, to anyone who is in need on the last Sunday of every month. And we're believing that God is going to expand that, that that is going to uh, explode as we get into the fall and the coming uh, years. And so uh, 
once again, the devil's a liar. I don't know what happened back here, but I'm gonna just plug ahead in Jesus' name. We're gonna send you a monthly scripture reading. And uh, how many of you remember Grow? Remember when we did Grow? This is gonna be very similar to when we did Grow. And today, rather tomorrow, uh, on our website, if you go to pottershouse.org slash more, there's a reading list starting today, starting tomorrow that will take you through the end of the month. And if you use your YouVersion app, you can get on your YouVersion app and you can actually follow the plan along with other people in our community. And so uh, as we get into this, uh, you'll see a Spotify playlist that will pull up and you can listen to worship uh, as you're reading the word and as you're seeking uh, to, to, become, uh, to become immeasurably more in your faith. Starting on September the 25th, we are going to have here at the Columbus campus and the other campuses will uh, be uh, determining how and what is best for them to do uh, in this manner. But starting September 25th at this campus, we're going to have what we are calling a prayer wall, a prayer wall. And this is what this wall looks like. It's going to be in our lobbies and you can go and write your prayer request anonymously and put it on this wall and the only caveat is is that when you put a prayer request on the wall you've got to take one off the wall and commit to pray for another person's need while someone else prays for yours and in the process of that we're going to have some ability that we're still working on to track the answered prayers that God gives us over the course of the next 12 months that we can celebrate what God has done in the house, amen? And so that's gonna be starting here in two weeks. And then here's the last thing practically and then we're gonna move quickly into the, into the rest. Here at the Columbus campus and at our other campuses, your campus pastor is setting your own goal. But for our Columbus campus, we have a goal in the next 12 months. We wanna see 100 people come to Jesus in the next 12 months. And we believe that this is a light thing in the eyes of the Lord. And based on the numbers that we've seen from 2018 until this year, this is a number that we believe is immeasurably more. That if God, if we reach this number in 12 months, I believe we can reach it quicker. But if we reach it in 12 months, it'll be a number that we are able to celebrate because God did a miracle in this house. Now I said it last week and I'm going to say it again. Uh, there is a movement against what we call the sinner's prayer. You'll not, you won't find the word sinner's prayer in the Bible. But the scripture said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. And that's all that the sinner pray, sinner's prayer is. We're confessing with our mouth, we're believing with our heart. We wanna see 100 people confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. And then we wanna take those people and we want to get them into connect track. We wanna connect them to a mentor so we could take the next step, which is discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. Discipleship. Uh, one of the things that you have to understand is numbers don't matter, but they matter. They mattered enough for Jesus to use them many times. In the, book of, in the book of Acts, Luke uses numbers constantly. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 came to Jesus. Come on now. Another time in scripture, 5,000 came and were saved. And our goal this year, and your goal this year, but as a church, our goal is not to build a big church. Our goal is to build big people. And I believe big people will build other big people, which then in turn makes the church of Jesus a big church. 
a giant killing church. So our goal is to build big people. Then here's the second thing. So that's the first thing. And that's the one that's going to take the most. That's why I took the most time on it. Y'all ready to move on? You got to do the, Somebody look at the person next to you. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. Okay. Because the next two are conditional upon the first. Did you hear me? The next two are conditional upon the first. Here's the second word the Lord gave me. He said, do the work and I'll multiply it. Do the work and I'll multiply it. Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. What did he do? He did the work. He did the work. He took his son Isaac up on the mountain to, to sacrifice him. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son. Blessing, I will bless you and multiplying... I will multiply you, your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants will possess the gate of their enemy in your seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham's decision to do the work resulted in God multiplying Abraham. Here's what I believe. God is going to multiply what we are obedient in. God is going to multiply what we're obedient in. God is sovereign, and when he puts his hand on something, it grows. But again, God is looking for partners. And God is going to multiply what we're obedient in. Here's why you need to do the work. Because God just didn't multiply Abraham, he multiplied his seed. And he gave a promise to his seed that it wouldn't be Abraham that possessed the gates. It would be his seed that possessed the gates of their enemies. So if you won't do the work for you, do it for your children and your grandchildren. And what you work, he will multiply. Here's the third thing. Do the work. God said, I'll multiply it. Then God said, I'll accelerate it. Somebody shout accelerate. Do the work. I'll multiply it and I'll accelerate it. Amos 9, 13. Yes, indeed. It won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing, fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people, Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And I'll plant them, and I'll plant them on their own land. And they'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. Now, God has given contextually this promise to Israel. How many of you know we've been grafted in? And although we are not a people on the journey to the promised land, we are a people on a journey and in a spiritual sojournment. Yes? And so God is promising, if you do the work, I'm going to do things so fast your head's going to spin. Now, I said that at the beginning of this year, and when I was praying, I just felt the Holy Ghost said, number one, it hasn't happened yet, and number two, it's still the promise over this house. I said, yes, Lord. When we do the work, God will accelerate the multiplication of the fruit of the work. 
I'm going to say that one more time for you. When we do the work, God will accelerate the multiplication of the fruit of the work. Here's the promise. It's going to happen quickly. Everywhere you look, blessings. Everything will be right. I, feel, I felt this thing, and Pastor James confirmed it to me in the conversation we had a couple weeks ago. I felt this, this particular scripture right here jump off the page. They will rebuild ruined cities. They will rebuild ruined cities, cities that have been under a scourge of demonic attack, cities that have been under demonic oppression, cities that have been without water and in drought spiritually. God said, you're going to rebuild ruined cities, cities under the stronghold of demonic religion and presence. God said, you're going to rebuild ruined cities. The spirit and anointing of Nehemiah come upon us. Hmm. They'll plant vineyards, what's that speak to? Do the work. And drink what they plant, multiply. They'll work, do the work. Their gardens and eat what they plant and they'll be planted and never uprooted. Somebody shout, do the work. Shout, multiply. Shout, accelerate. Now, let's very quickly talk about enemies. Because there are enemies to the immeasurably more of God. The first enemy is this, a lack of faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please him. And, and, and those who draw near to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. The scripture said, nothing is impossible to him who what? That was lame. Nothing is impossible to him who believes, has faith. Let me tell you what little faith does. We serve a God who said, let there be and everything that is became. Three words and everything became. Let there be blank, it became. And little faith ties the hands of a big God. As your faith is, so be it done unto you. Your faith, your belief has the ability to either keep you stagnant or accelerate you into growth. Okay. Little faith. When, when, when Moses sent the 12 spies to spy out the land, Check out what, what happened. Moses sent the 12 spies to spy out the land and, 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 and the scripture said that 10 of them saw the giants but two of them saw the grapes. I think I'm going to preach a message next week so it's going to set some of y'all free. Because some of you have been wondering when is God going to take me into my promised land but you can't stop talking about the giants. You can't stop talking about the issues and, and the problems you're going to face in the promised land. And God is saying, if you'd stop looking at the giants, you'd see grapes that, that are immeasurably more than what you've ever seen. You'd see fruit that's immeasurably more than you could ever fathom. Get your eyes off the giants and get your eyes on the grapes. It's like Elijah's servant opened their eyes to see that there is more for them than there are against 
them. Touch your neighbor and say, get your eyes on the grapes. Get your eyes on the grapes. No more little faith. No more baby faith. No more faith that says, well, maybe God can do it. No, no, no. God is able and nothing is impossible. God is able and nothing is impossible. Several weeks ago, there was a tongue and interpretation here on a Sunday morning. And the interpretation was that God was saying to this house, I'm going to do everything I promised you that I would do. And he's able. And nothing's impossible. Prayers we've long since forgot about, God's about to answer. Prayers of those who have passed on into another life with him. Seeds that they put in the ground. God's about to give fruit that we didn't plow for. And fruit we didn't plant. Mm. All right. The second enemy is the enemy of complacency. That where I am is good enough. We as a people will never be good enough. Our depravity is so deep. Come on, y'all. We don't like to talk like this. We want to just say, oh, we're so good. Jesus loves us. I'm a depraved human being without the grace of God. I could never be good enough. I, I could never be good enough. But he redeemed me. And let me help you understand something. There is more of God hidden than there is of him revealed. And if you ever say, well, where I am is just quite good enough. Where I am, I'll I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Then you have entered into stagnation. And stagnation in the spirit equals death. If you are not constantly moving forward, you're going to die. Because you will believe the lie that where I am is good enough. There's some of you at our campuses and even here in this room. You've been saved all your life. You've been saved 30, 40, 50 years. And you've said, well, where I am is as good as it gets. There's another level, baby. There is a level of immeasurably more that God wants to take you into. And I believe in the next 12 months, God is about to sever the head of complacency in the life of the potter's house and in your life. Mm. Not just complacent in our walk with Christ. Complacent in the spirit. The depths we're swimming in now are nothing to be compared to the depths that he wants to open up to us. The depths of the river that we're in now, there, there is more to this. We're not just complacent with the spirit, we're complacent with lost people. Paul said, I've become all things to all men that by all means I might win some. He said, I'm willing to do everything short of sin to win somebody to the kingdom. I'm willing to do it. I'll become all things to all men that by all means I might win some. So complacency, the number three, and I'm going to spend a minute on the next two and then I'll hurry through the rest. There is something that I just feel in the, in the, in the atmosphere on certain Sunday mornings when I walk in this room that God is coming to deal with. And I'm going to talk real straight with you. Is that all right? Because if I don't confront it, it'll just stay here. And, and, and it's the feeling of apathy. He, he, let me define apathy for you. Lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. One of the things we've got to guard against is a spirit of apathy that wants to sweep in and make us religious, smug people 
who if we don't get our way, we have to be pulled instead of run. And I'm talking to the campuses too. I ain't just talking to you. Religious, smug individual. And here's how it comes across. I ain't just talking about apathy. We're going to talk about apathy and worship, but then I'm going to come for your personal life too. But we come in here and we sing songs and they get up here and they have prayed and they have fasted and they have practiced and they have sought the face of God and they're asking God, Lord, as we worship, send your glory. And they come out here and they sing not for you but for him. But it helps a little bit when, when you aren't sitting there like this. That's not my favorite song. So I'm not going to worship. I don't like the beat of the music, so I'm not going to worship. And so we just stand there, we stare. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask the campuses a question too. If you had a debt you couldn't pay, and some of you in this room, I know there's a vast majority of people that have debt in the room, whether it's mortgage, car payment, student loans, credit card, whatever it is. But let me ask you a question. Think about the debt you have in your life financially. Just think about it for a minute. I know you think, wow, that's going to really depress me. Think about it for a minute. And let me ask you a question. If a man you didn't know came into this church this morning and picked you out of the crowd and said, I'm going to write a $100,000 check to clear your debt right now, I promise you what you wouldn't do. What you wouldn't do is say, I don't like the pen that he wrote that check with. I don't like the bank that he banks with. I don't like the color of that check. No, 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 no. I promise you what you do before you took the check is you'd probably run the aisles of this sanctuary and give God praise that your debt's just been paid. So let me ask you a question. If you'd act like that for something materialistic like money, how much more should you act like that? That Jesus came from the bank of heaven and wrote a check from heaven's bank and he signed it in blood and he said forgiven never to be remembered against you cast as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered forevermore I promise you you wouldn't care what kind of song they sang you wouldn't care what kind of beat the music was you wouldn't care what the lighting situation was you would say he paid my debt he washed me clean he saved my life and I don't care what you you say I don't care what they say I had a debt I could not pay I had a debt I could not repay and Jesus paid it all and God is coming to break the back of apathy over your life that no more lack of interest no more lack of enthusiasm he paid too high a price for you to sit there and mean mug me while I preach and mean mug the worship team while they sing and bring him in the room he paid a high price mm. Woo. 
My debt has been paid for. And he's, he deserves praise. Like my debt has been covered. Think about the worst thing you've ever done. It's covered. Think about every mistake you've ever made. It's covered. He, he walked into the courtroom of your life and he walked up to the judge and he said, they don't know me and I don't know what their sentence is. Yes, I do. It was death. I know what their sentence is. I know what it's going to cost me, but I'm here to pay the debt that they can't pay. I'm here to pay the sentence that they can't pay. I promise you, by the time you were done, Every person in this church would know, I just got a $100,000 check and God washed my debts clean. So then, I should say that from this day forward, I should never walk in this room and feel apathy again. I should never walk in this room and feel attention again. Some of you... What time is it? Oh, man. Some of you need to remember where we brought you from. That a vast majority of us shouldn't be sitting in this church right now. But he rescued us. He rescued, paid my debt. I know I got to go further, but when I think of the goodness of Jesus and the cross and the beauty there that he shed for me, the mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. I can't help but get a little bit excited to think about the opportunity to give him praise because he saved my life. Look at three people next to you and tell them he saved my life. And you cannot have immeasurably more just fudging your way through life. Just clod hopping your way through life. He paid a high price for me to redeem me. Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, in view of his mercy, that you present your whole body. You know what that says? Your whole self without apathy, without a lack of it to the Lord. And be not conformed, but be transformed. Uh, I should never walk in this room again and feel apathy. Because I know some of your stories. And I get concerned when I turn around during worship and I just see this. He redeemed you from way too much for just. Here's the way I think about it. He paid a high price for me. I don't care if you sing it out of the red back. I don't care if you sing it with a digital keyboard. I don't care if you even play a video of worship. I'll give him what he's worthy of because he redeemed me. And I don't care how, he, how I got to give him praise. He set me free. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Okay. All right. 
The fourth enemy, I gotta hurry. And I believe you're gonna think I'm so weird for this because some of you don't understand the things of the spirit. There's a, there's a Jezebel spirit that's trying to come against the church. And I have felt this so deeply in my spirit for the last months that one of the things we're going to have to sever the head of is Jezebel. And you know, Jezebel don't just work in women. She works in men too. Huh. John is writing to the church in Revelation 2 and he said, I've got this thing against you. You've allowed that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to, to teach and seduce my servants into sexual immorality. The problem was not that they partook in Jezebel's sin. It was that they tolerated Jezebel. It's that they tolerated her. And, and, and if you tolerate Jezebel long enough, the only thing left standing will be Jezebel. Because she'll seduce the prophets and she'll kill the people and the men of God and the women of God and she'll take them out and the last thing standing will be Jezebel and then what you'll understand is you've now walked in to a religious structure that cannot let the Holy Ghost move because here's one thing about Jezebel I'm going to help you Jezebel's manipulative she wants to put her hands in everything and, and muddy everything she's controlling uh, she's manipulative. When I think about her story, Naboth's vineyard, uh, Ahab came back one day. He went to Naboth's vineyard and he said, I want to buy this from you. And Naboth said, well, I, I would never do that because this vineyard was going to be passed down to his generations. Some of you need to hear that. This vineyard was going to be passed down to his generations. And he told Ahab, over my dead body, Ahab went like a little boy and he pouted to Jezebel. And Jezebel said, why are you so downtrodden? And Ahab said, well, Naboth won't let me have his vineyard. It's like my, my three-year-old and my six-year-old when they're fighting over a toy. One day Gwen came to me and she was crying. I said, Gwen, what's wrong? She said, sissy called me a ding-dong. <laughs> I said, Gwen, go call her a ding-dong. That's what you need to do. But Ahab went crying and Jezebel said, oh, don't worry. You'll have that vineyard before the day's over. Put Naboth in between two criminals. Charged him of a crime he wasn't guilty of. And stoned him. She manipulated and controlled in order to get what she wanted. Some of you don't understand now. You'll understand as the year goes. Mm, Jezebel's unrepentant. They gave her space to repent and she wouldn't. Because Jezebel's never wrong. Jezebel can't be corrected. Okay. You wonder why we're seeing what we're seeing in America today? Then Jezebel seduces. Men of God, women of God, let me help you. You need to keep yourself pure in the days ahead. Because Jezebel will come and she will try to impurity try to bring impurity into what God needs to be pure in order to use will seduce you husbands and wives into sexual sin I don't know why I'm saying this but somebody needs to hear it seduce you into sexual sin that will trap you and will kill you this year I heard the Holy Ghost say Jezebel's going to die at the wall of Jezreel. And the dogs are going to eat her flesh. 
Okay. I don't need to promise you anything, but just know when Jezebel pops her ugly head up, her days are numbered. The last enemy is the culture. We are headed for a major shaking unless God intervenes, and it could just be God's plan that we enter into another major shaking in the nations. You are going to have to believe God is either able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think, or he's not. You're going to have to believe that even in famine, God is able to provide. That even in recession, God is able to provide. You know, there's a lot of things that I've wanted in life that I didn't get, haven't got. But there's never been one thing I haven't needed. There's never been one thing I've needed that he hasn't supplied. Not one. Not one. And you're going to have to come against the culture that says, well, tithing is an Old Testament principle. No, no, no. It's a biblical principle. And if we really want to go to the Bible, what you'll find is 10% is really the bare minimum. The New Testament is a, is a testament of generosity. And I'm talking to the campuses too. That it's time that we get past this thing of, well, I gotta give God my tithe. I've never regretted giving God a dime. There's never been a time that I've given God something that I, in one way or another, he hasn't poured out blessing. I don't have room to receive. It's not always money, but my babies haven't been in the hospital. It's not always money, but my marriage is healthy. It's not always money, but I'm in my right mind when the devil tried to take me out. It's not always money, but every step is ordered by the Lord. And if he can feed the ravens, he knows how to get me what I need. You're going to have to make a decision. I'm going to believe God and what he said more than I believe what I see. My God. These are the enemies of immeasurably more. If you're with me, say I'm here. And then we're going to end. I need somebody to come help me play. The Lord spoke three things to me. This is the word of the Lord over the potter's house over the next 12 months. He spoke three things to me. Number one, I heard the Holy Ghost tell me in prayer and through the word of a prophet, this is the appointed time. Somebody look at somebody next to you and tell them it's the appointed time. You say, tell me what you mean. I'll tell you what I mean. Genesis 7:11. in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day on that day all the fountains of the deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were poured out let me break this down for you quickly the earth was about to see something that the earth had never seen go read your bible it had never rained up to this moment the earth was sustained by the dew of the ground the earth was about to see something it had never seen before. And God told Noah, build an ark. In order to thrive in an environment we've never seen, we've got to build what's never been seen. 
I believe what God is going to do here is not a copycat. It's a prototype. I'll say it for myself. It's not a copy of what has been done. But God said, behold, I do a new thing. See that it won't spring forth. This is the only time in Scripture, go read it for yourself. The only time in Scripture when it is speaking about a person specifically, that God gets specific down to the day. In the 600th year, in the 17th month, in the, in the second month, in the 17th day, everything in Abraham's life led to this moment. And yes, it's not a great story. It was the flood. But what I heard the Holy Spirit say is, for 93 years, the potter's house has been in existence. Different names, different shapes, different sizes. But everything in those 93 years has led to this moment. This is the appointed time. And the earth is about to see things it's never seen. And God is asking the potter's house, will you build what's never been seen? Okay, that's the first thing. Receive it as you will. The second thing I heard the Holy Ghost say was it's time to redig the wells. Not just dig the wells. We, li we like to talk about wells. We're going to dig wells of revival. Dig wells, of, and we're going to do that. There's new things God's doing. But I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me about three weeks ago. He said, Go back and redig the wells. There are things that God has done in the potter's house. And God told me, He said, Go redig the wells because there's water in there. There's still water in there. How many of you know thirsty people will drink water regardless of where it comes from? So one of the things we're about to do is we're getting ready to launch, we did it years ago, called the Gifts of the Spirit class. Where we're going to train you and teach you about the gifts of the Spirit. We did it years ago and I was praying and, and Brother Carlos came and said he was praying and the Lord spoke to him about this. Long, even before I began to pray about it, God said he spoke to him about it. And, and God is getting ready as we redig the wells, that water is going to start coming back up again in those wells. And not just that, but there's old songs that we need to pull out again. I ain't just talking about hymns. I'm talking about some of those 1990, early 2000 songs. Come on. There's words of the Lord way back when that, he, that were prophesied that we need to go back and redig the wells. Pull them back up again because there's still oil in them. Uh, this is the last thing. Throw it up. I heard the Lord say, I'm moving the potter's house from board prayers to bold prayers. From little faith to mountain moving faith. From small dreaming to big dreaming. I'm moving the potter's house from being occupied to occupying. This last one I really liked. He's moving us from what if it happens to when it happens. What if God heals? No, 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 no. Let me tell you what's going to happen 
when it heals come on what's going to happen what if God raises the dead in this altar no let me gonna let me tell you what's going to happen when he raises the dead what if God heals your marriage no 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 when God heals your marriage he's moving it because here's the declaration here's the last thing God is able and nothing is impossible stand on your feet all over the room if you're watching at our campuses stand on your feet all over the room I want you to lift your hands and I want you to make this declaration as loud as you can at every campus right here in this room as loud as you can God is able nothing is impossible now that was good now I want you to get that thing in your mind that you've been fighting that battle you've been facing that thing that you have even said this is going to be impossible get it in your mind right now you got 10 seconds nine eight seven six five four three two one lift your hands God is able and nothing is impossible One more time. God is able and nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now here, yeah, here's what I want to do. I want you to lift your hands at all of our campuses and right here in this campus. I want you to lift your hands and this is the way I want you to begin to pray. I want you to pray, Lord, grace me with the ability to do the work. Come on, pray that way in your own way. Pray it in your own mouth. Grace me to do the work so we can see multiplication and acceleration. Come on, pray that way. Pray now. Come on, come on. Come on, pray. Lord, grace me to do the work. Grace me to do the work. There's no mountain that he Break us of apathy. Break us of complacency. Break us of little faith. He's pouring out. There's no mountain that he can move. There's no end to what he can do. Come on. There's no heart that he can restore. He's pouring out, pouring out immeasurably more. Come on, say, there's no mountain that he can move. There's no end to what he can do. Hallelujah. There's no heart that he can restore. He's pouring out, he's pouring out immeasurably more. I've seen mountains. I've seen mountains that he has moved. There's no end to what he can do. Yes. Oh, my heart has been restored. He's pouring out. He's pouring out. He We're going to do this. I'm going to release the campuses. 
we're going to do announcements and offering and then we're going to go home but the Bible said this is how that whole scripture starts now unto him now unto him who was able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to the power that worketh in us to him be the glory so what we're going to do is we're going to take about a two minute praise break and here's what we're going to do we're going to praise him like immeasurably more is in our future we're going to put a praise on it like it's already done in advance because God's credit is perfect everything he's ever said he's always seen it through so I'm gonna count to three and I want this place to erupt in praise unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine are you ready do you got something you need him to do do you have things in your life he need him to help you conquer Now's the time to put a praise on it. One, two, three. Put a praise on it. Put a praise on it. Come on, minstrels. It's gonna happen. Oh, yeah. Put a praise on it. Hallelujah. It's gonna happen. We put a praise on it. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Like it's already done. Come on. One more minute. Everything you got. It's gonna, it's happen. gonna happen. We put a praise on it. Everyone. We put a stamp on it in the spirit. It's gonna happen. We put a stamp on it in the spirit. It's already done. It's gonna happen. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I'll touch three people around you and tell them it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bodies are going to be healed. Marriages are going to be restored. Minds are going to be mended. Depression is going to be loosed. Giftings are going to be uncovered. It's going to happen. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could even ask or imagine.
hold on. I'm trying, hold on. I'm trying to go because I know we got announcements to do and our campus has got to do stuff. I'm trying to get out of here. I don't know what's happening there, but I feel it here. The Holy Spirit just reminded me of something that he spoke to me years ago. And he said to me, the way that you enter a new thing is the way you establish a new thing. So we're going to give one more praise because I think immeasurably more deserves an immeasurably more praise to establish the way we're going into a season. So one, two, three, shout! more than you normally do immeasurably more Hallelujah. <laughs> I just heard the Holy Ghost tell me to tell somebody the answer's on the way. The answer's on the way. And for some of you, for some of you, because you're connecting your faith to this word, the answer's going to be waiting for you when you get home. My God is able to do what He promised More than I ask, more than I think Once He has spoken, it's gonna happen Stand and believe it, we're gonna see it It's gonna happen <laughs> My, my My God Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands one more time. Father, I thank you that there's a breaking that's happening over this house. And the lid that the devil has tried to put on it is being shattered this morning. Lord, I thank you that the lid the devil has tried to put on the lives of your sons and daughters, it's breaking this morning. In the name of Jesus, we declare it, and it is so. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody shout amen. amen. Come on, put your hands together, give him praise one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. To our campuses, we love you. We're so honored that you are here with us this morning in the virtual realm. We love your pastors, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Bob, Pastor Steve, their wives, uh, Sonny, Tanya, Teresa, 
Pastor Lyle, we love you all so much. And we pray God's blessings on you. We're releasing you back into your services, into our online audience. We love you. We'll see you next week. We're going to stop our stream here at this moment. We love you. Can we let them know one more time how much we love them?